beer in hand, ready for round two, buddy. Oh yeah. All right, what you drinking? Uh, the Dogfish Head Sea Quench Ale Session Shower. I I I, I really enjoyed this thing. I I tried to buy a bunch of different kinds of beers, uh, just to get different flavors. And this one, for whatever reason, just hit me. I'm like, this is good stuff. This is it. This is the podcast beer. <laughs> this is this this was a. Uh, it's noon on a Sunday, which it actually is noon on a Sunday, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I need to have a beer in my hand. This is the go-to. <laughs> I'm drinking um, uh, Curio by Oligosh. It's some random beer I ran across. It's some Belgian-style golden ale aged Ooh. in bourbon barrels. Ooh. I like the. I, I just love the. I love the sound of a golden ale. Like, just the name of it just sounds so pleasant to. I think to drink. it's my favorite beer. Yeah. Just like Belgian-style golden ales or quads. What was that that really really nice bottled beer that you brought over one time? That was a golden ale, wasn't it? Yeah, that was a quad. It was the Golden Drack Nine Thousand. The Golden Drack. My favorite beer. It was very delicious. Yeah, this one's very similar to that. Mm-hmm. I think there's a little bit of a problem with like golden ales or Belgian ales having like a fluoride kind of taste. Like the aftertaste is a little bit like you just got home from the dentist. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't really mind it too much. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that's a that's an interesting aftertaste, like tasting wine. I taste a uh, a hint of cocoa and fluoride. <laughs> yeah, fluoride. The government's putting in the water. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why my beer tastes weird. No, I mean it's great. It's great. Highly okay. recommend. Okay. I feel like with, I, this should probably be a thing. We grab a new beer every podcast. Oh, you know what? I 100% support that because, like I said, I just try to go grab different shit all the time. <laughs> That's the play. I mean, I've got a I've got a friend that works um, at a brewery in in Virginia where you're at, so I'll have to have Ooh. her tell us where or what beer from her brewery you can get because apparently they only sell it in Virginia. Yeah, absolutely. I will go buy that today. Yeah. <laughs> So I think I think a beer intro is, is pretty uh, uh, apt for what we're talking about because mm. um, beer is a huge part about uh, why we love this topic. <laughs> uh, the topic of bad movies. Yeah. So, I mean, bad movie night. Let's let's talk about it. Um, I guess I, I'm actually curious. Um, I didn't. I don't know. Have you ever had a bad movie night before? I talked about doing bad movie nights with you. Uh yeah, I think we definitely um like had bad movie nights, but maybe not like as an organized event. It was mm. more of a I want to watch a bad movie because I just love bad movies. Yeah, and I What's, don't know. I've so even what is a I've bad even, movie night? Uh okay, so bad movie night for us is definitely everyone gets together. We get some food and a lot of beer, um, and we watch just like a terribly rated movie. Yeah, rip on yeah. it all night. Yeah, that's kind of it's just like a social event. I mean, there's a there's a few rules at bad movie night, um, and mostly it's just that you're allowed to talk over the movie. Oh yeah, it's in, it encouraged to talk. Yeah, which is great and also kind of bad because then it leeches over into good movies too, mm-hmm. and you start talking over good movies and and you miss parts. But that's why you have to dedicate only bad movies to that night. Yeah, so I guess I guess our start was, you know, back when uh we moved out of the barracks and we, we got a house and we wanted something to do uh like all together. Right. Um we were like, Hey, bad movie nights is it. We will all hang out, crack a few beers, maybe order a pizza or make like some uh like a like what was that, taco dish, like taco casserole. Oh, the was it what director would make? Yeah, director. That was so um, good. I can't remember. Yeah. It. Just one of those things, and we just, you know, crack yeah. crack some beers and hang out. It's it's and just an make easy fun of a movie. It's such an easy event to to host, and like it's cheap and so I think it's so fun. I love it. Yeah, and it's definitely. I think it comes from we spent a lot of money when we weren't when we didn't have our own house. We couldn't right. drink in the barracks. We spent so much money going out and buying alcohol. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's a problem. <laughs> Now, at this point, people are going to start thinking we're alcoholics, which is, I don't think, by any stretch of the imagination we are. Well, according to the uh, Navy's rules and regulations, we are. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. The Navy might think so. I don't know, dude. I, let's see. In the past, like, two months, this is probably the second time I've drank. <laughs> you you monster. You need to go to rehab. <laughs> I know. Something like that. 
I, I've grown more into cracking a beer when I start cooking something because I'm starting to cook more. I absolutely uh, love to drink like some wine or some beer while I cook for a group of people like an event cooking. Yeah, I started doing it just for myself, like have a beer while I cook, and yeah, and then you gotta switch to water. Like staying hydrated is important. <laughs> <laughs> That's you're you're right. <laughs> but uh, but bad movie night that. Uh, I used to do that with my friends back home, and I remember my, my friend Chris, me and him, I don't know, I don't remember the first movie we ever did for it or how we got into it, but we we would drink some liquor, and we would make fun of these, like, really terrible movies, and it was just the funnest, the funnest thing we would do. We actually really look forward to it, and I, I kind of missed oh, it. Oh, yeah. Ones, but. I think I, um... I think my bad, uh, like, movie interest started when, um... Uh, like two things, I guess. My friend Shay, back in Orlando, uh, one day brought over on like a flash drive a copy of the movie Food Fight. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, you I showed that me that. Like, yeah, Food Fight. It's terrible. It's it's ridiculous. <laughs> we'll have to talk about some of the plot of it in a little bit. Sure. Um, and then also like um, some some YouTubers that I like to watch uh, would you know like review bad movies and be like, "This is ridiculous." Yeah. So. Eventually, I started just going through bad movies because there was a time period where I was taking some classes in college and, um, you know, doing some film studies and some, you know, um, like like writing studies, like poetry and short stories and whatnot. But I really like mm-hmm. latched on to like the film as a um, uh, as a media. Yeah. You know, of um, of like art expression and whatnot. And so there's a long time where I was like trying to go through all the classic films and having uh, some sort of you know, like, knowledge of all of this, and, and you know, I've, like, I'm a movie critic. Right. <laughs> but yeah, then like eventually I, you just devolve. <laughs> <laughs> I understand film, like, filmography. Is that how you pronounce it? Film, oh, filmography? Yeah. But then you watch, like, Blubberella. <laughs> oh, yeah, which is one of the biggest atrocities I've ever seen. Oh, my gosh. I can't, I, I would look forward to talking about that movie. That was hilarious. Yeah. I think... I think the natural starting point, especially for me, one of my favorite movies of all time, which is really famous when you talk about bad movies, is the first thing anyone brings up, and I guess for mm. no difference, is The Room, you know, written, oh. directed, starring, produced by Tommy Wiseau. Yes. Or but Wiseau, that's, however you say his name. That's, that's delving into uh, cult classic uh, sections of movies. Yeah, but I think it's a cult classic because it's bad. That's that's a good point, yeah. Like only because it's bad. Like there's there's some other ones that we can talk about that uh, are like cult classics that are bad. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like it's it's a cult classic because people had like an attachment to it at some point. They thought it was good. Yeah, my my favorite it, description for that movie is that Tommy Wiseau is an alien trying to play a human. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the guy that wrote the book on the room, like the making of the room, described it as um, as if an alien had never seen a movie mm. but had movies thoroughly described to him <laughs> and then tried to make one that's that's what it is i love that <laughs> yeah so i mean i love this movie so much i've had first dates where what we did was watch this movie together like that's incredible <laughs> like that's it and i mean those those dates fostered a fairly good relationship but that's, Man, a, maybe, that's a topic for a different day maybe we need to change my first date movie because right now it's princess bride and so far that hasn't worked out <laughs> yeah no you got to go for the room yeah for sure. change it up yeah so um uh the the room is just a ridiculous movie that uh tommy was out um who no one really knows where this guy got any of his money or whatnot but he was the first person to film in both like 35 millimeter and digital hd at the same time He's two separate uh, film formats, and um, he's basically a failed actor, and he just, like, got frustrated and, um, you know, decided he would make his own movie. <laughs> Do it myself. <laughs> yeah, for those of you who are, uh, those who are listening that, like, never seen it, like, definitely watch The Room, and then James Franco and, and uh, uh, Seth Rogen made The Disaster Artist about the making of the movie The Room. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Is it on Netflix now? It is, yeah. I'm going to have to give it another watch. I've watched it twice already, but... The Disaster Artist? Yeah. Oh, I haven't watched it yet. I, I need to watch that. Oh, you definitely need to watch it. I watched it when it came out, and then uh, I think we rented it not too long ago before my roommate moved. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. It's definitely worth a watch. It's pretty funny, and <laughs> Tommy Wiseau himself came on some late-night shows to say that's like 99.9% accurate. <laughs> that's awesome. The the funny part is is so they're definitely making fun of him in this movie, right? Right. 
the funny part is, is he says that uh the the point one percent that they didn't get accurate. He was like, "Oh, in your first scene, your lighting is a little off." Oh, <laughs> that's his only it, critique. Yeah, it's not like how they portrayed him as being just like a bumbling idiot or anything like that. It was like the lighting <laughs> was weird. <laughs> Other than that, it's almost hundred percent accurate. They're like, he's like, yeah, you got it right, really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, this movie, the room, basically, like Tommy Wiseau plays. Tommy with a different last name that I can't recall no matter how many times I've seen this movie um, <laughs> and he's like a very successful man in his job but his uh, his fiance ends up cheating with him on his best with like with his best friend mm-hmm. um, and then you know the, the whole thing goes downhill and it's just it's so strange um, and it, it has such a like a cult following for like the weird dialogue it has and the weird delivery yeah and, I, was, um, I was about to say all of the the strangeness and the the weirdness of the movie is from the like the dialogue and like the 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 pictures of like the spoons um, on a photograph. Right? The spoons. So yeah, this is that's the funniest part to me. I, I feel like it's something that not a lot of people who, um, who have actually seen the movie know about. But mm-hmm. if you ever go to a midnight showing, which you know, warning, I've never been to a midnight showing. Um, <laughs> there's frame photos of silverware like all through this house that they film in. Yeah, and. The tradition is to bring plastic spoons, and whenever you see spoons, people just yell spoons and start throwing plastic spoons all around the theater. <laughs> I would love to go to one of those. Yeah. So, I mean, even I have a photo, or not a photo, but a poster from um, the Enzian, which is a small like local theater in Orlando, from when they showed um, the room in a midnight showing. Um, mm. But I missed it because Navy... Oh, because maybe you should yeah. you should go you should go a layer deep and you should frame a picture of that picture. <laughs> oh, it on, that's it, it. Yeah, put it on your desk. There you go. I've I've thought about getting framed photos of silverware to like mimic the room. Yeah, You're tossing around a football and you know, like random uh you know inappropriate situations. <laughs> I mean, I I know I know how much you really do enjoy this bad movie. You actually have a poster of it. Yeah, that's that's what I'm talking. It's like that's the one from the Indian. Yeah. It's got the Golden Gate Bridge because it's set in San Francisco, and the Golden Gate Bridge, the, the pillars of it are spoons. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I don't know why I, I don't remember that. That's awesome. I'll have to send you a photo later. It's it's a great it's a great one. Maybe we'll uh we'll post it on our website whenever we get it back up. Or get it up in the first place. I mean, <laughs> I was about to say we had a website. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe a Twitter or something. I don't know. Oh, we'll yeah. figure it out. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure we'll we'll figure that part out. Yeah. Um but yeah, so other there's some other really good bad movies in my opinion i remember uh there were a few series like what got this kind of rolling with me and my friends back home before the navy uh there was a series of bad movies and like really specific scenes we'd see in them that had us rolling on the floor uh just just how bad they were like there was a i don't think i ever told you i watched this movie it's a steampunk version of beowulf (laughs) oh no i don't think i've seen that one oh my gosh so it's, it's it's just called beowulf and I actually I just tried looking it up and I have a lot of trouble finding just that movie. But it's uh it's the same guy who played in Mortal Kombat, Christopher Lambert. And Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like a steampunk Beowulf movie. And it's super strange because like the it's like this castle in the middle of nowhere and it's like a steampunk castle like moves with like, you know, bellows and things like that. And there's there's no point in it being steampunk because everyone still has like swords. <laughs> so super strange. But <laughs> I remember one specific, the only specific scene I like really vividly remember, besides the nudity scene, obviously, is uh, the guy is riding around on his horse, like on in the courtyard, and in this tower that's like 50, 50 feet up in the sky, where he normally wouldn't look. Like the, the princess is looking down at him, and he just whips his head very sharply and stares at her, <laughs> like very intently. And we just loved that scene because it was so so strange. Is it, it's. Is it almost like that that scene in Monty Python on the Quest for the Holy Grail where he's like charging towards the castle and every time they whip back to it, he's like in the same spot running forward? No, it was just like it was just like this bizarre sequence of events where the guy's just like riding on his horse and talking to somebody and just like doing whatever and it's like this top down view of like where the princess was, right? And the guy like looks directly up at the camera in this sharp angle. <laughs> it's like that's something nobody would ever do naturally, and it was just so bizarre. <laughs> But I think I, I think that really pulls us uh, into like talking about camp. Just mm. 
uh, I guess yeah, so, yeah, yeah, campiness. Like so, bad movies are described as campy. Um, I've actually pulled the definition here in my in my little notes file. Um, it says the definition of campy is in the style of camp, i.e., absurdly exaggerated, artificial, or affected in an unusually humorous way. Yeah. So I mean, that sounds pretty campy. Yeah. And my favorite part about it is I don't. It wasn't meant to be campy. That's why we love those those kinds of bad movies that like really intended to be a good movie, but they just they missed the mark by a bit. Yeah, that's what I want to explore too here. Like, so like pe- people really do love the uh, like something that is meant to be like a good movie. Like they filmed it seriously. Like you get the feeling mm-hmm. for the room that they were really trying, and that they just completely missed the mark. Right. And so I don't really know how how I feel about it. Like, is it? Um, I've I've got a few quotes here from some uh, like psychology professors and, um, about like a superiority complex that people basically have because uh, they like they like feel better than the person that's like making the film. Yeah. I guess let's talk okay. about this. Like, um, uh, here's a quote from an article I picked up. Um, audiences are innately drawn towards the spectacle of bad films like The Room, Sharknado, and Troll 2, says Dr. Adam Galpin, mm-hmm. senior lecturer in psychology at the University of Salford. He says, these films are humorous because they're incredibly awful, and you can't believe that anyone could produce something that's that bad and think it's okay. The other thing is that you give a sense of superiority um, and a sense of mastery and competence because you can recognize why it's bad. You can have the expertise in this area of film consumption, and it makes you feel like an expert film critic. You know, that might be it. <laughs> I do. I mean, like, I kind of agree. It's just like, at that point, you're you're having to recognize in yourself that you have some sort of superiority complex. Like, I could definitely do this better. Yeah, I definitely have had those thoughts. Like, why would they do that? Yeah, exactly. I've also never but, made a movie, so. Right. So, like, who are we to say? <laughs> But at the same time, aren't, you know, films are made for consumers. Right. So are we, are we wrong for, for criticizing? Well, no, I mean, yeah, obviously for any media like this, uh, you are meant to have your own opinion. That's how it is with any books, stories, poetry, right? Yeah. I mean, so it's made to be consumed. Yeah. So the consumer should be able to have a say. But at the same time, where's the line drawn for, like, your superiority complex in, in this, like, you know, are, are we bordering on the edge of elitism? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a, probably looking a little too much into it, most because we just... I mean, we may have just took a hop, skip, and a jump towards elitism, but you you you, uh, you get the point I'm going for. Or, yeah, I do. Yeah, I understand. Uh, but we're just... When, when I would do this, I was just a drunken fool with my friend. We're like, holy cow, that is so stupid. <laughs> and just laugh at it. Yeah, um, but, you know, you're having fun with your friends, you're laughing, yeah. you're having some drinks. But at the same time, you're like, we're all better than these people that made this movie. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know, maybe it's it, it's some, like, wild fascination with having uh, uh, to see these just terrible movies. I mean, I did always look forward to the next one. I was like, how... Because you know that when you go pick out the movie, you know it's bad. It's got terrible reviews and everything. I'm, I'm always curious, how did they screw this one up? You know? Oh, yeah. There's some that have some wild stories. Like, um, we alluded to Food Fight earlier. And yeah. you watched that with us, right? Oh, yeah. So this movie is... It, it's painful to watch. Like, it's it's almost not as fun. Some people definitely didn't have as much fun watching it as I did. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Yeah, I oh, are you saying you're not a fan? Uh, a fan in what sense? Like, am I gonna buy a poster of Food Fight? Absolutely not. Oh, I don't know. If there was like a cool Food Fight poster, I might, I might put it up on the wall. Oh god, it was even hard to look at. It was visually unappealing. Yeah, so like the short story of it, it goes is that um, Food Fight had this. It, it's an animated feature, mm-hmm. right? Right. That had this huge budget, um, and it had all of these big stars like. Um, I'm trying to think of it now. I'll have to. I'll have to look it up. Um, you're looking at Charlie Sheen as one of the main characters. Hilary Duff, uh, Eva Longoria, Lawrence Kasanoff, Christopher Lloyd, right? Um, Wayne Brady, like all <laughs> Wayne these. Brady. Yeah, Wayne Brady. He's like one of my favorite people ever. 
you, you know, like you had all these like huge actors lined up for this to to play voice actors in this film. Right. Um, and the story goes is that they spent like sixty million dollars making this film, and then in an act of corporate espionage, they lost all of it except for some of the voice lines. Right. And they just abandoned the project. So then later, some random little studio like picked up the uh, the rights to it, and in like a real quick turnaround, they animated it absolutely terribly with like mm-hmm. this broken motion motion capture and they didn't even like finish some of the lines of dialogue so the story doesn't really like work cohesively yeah you can uh, tell that it was all the story was built up to a certain point and then that you could watch if you actually watch the movie you could you could see the divide where like they stopped producing it here and they just finished it, it was yeah so bad i mean there's like a 20 minute scene of them just throwing food at each other in like an actual food fight oh yeah between the evil brand x is trying to take over this like grocery store that they work in and in all of the the icons that like live in the grocery store that are selling their products yeah and like over this 20 minutes you're looking at the same like six or seven shots and the only thing that's changing is the color of like the the weird grotesque like uh, gravy that's coming off when people get hit <laughs> oh yeah i remember that they used the exact same scene but it's like oh but this time it's purple yeah, over and over again, pink, purple, blue, like whatever, like pretty colors. And I don't really know what they were expecting here, but looking it up, they made a. Um, uh, the budget is estimated between forty-five to sixty-five million, mm-hmm. and uh, they made a whopping seventy-three thousand seven hundred and six dollars at the box office. That's cash in pocket, baby. <laughs> that sounds like a big loss. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, th- this movie, it's it's incredibly hard to watch when you look up yeah. the images of it like uh the way that they um animate the uh the icons like the the people representing the food is pretty mm-hmm. bad and then you see the photos of how they animated like the actual people in the film oh it's horrible and it'll haunt your dreams for the next year so you know maybe not look that one up <laughs> it it was a one wonderfully bad movie that actually brings me up or reminded me of something I was thinking about. I was trying to research it before we started this, and I wasn't able to find any information. So this is all offhand, <laughs> nothing based on anything other than I heard this before. Was, oh, I'm scared. Yeah, well, I, I heard before <laughs> that the reason why there was a lot of bad movies that had come out, uh, like, you know, like Mortal Kombat, that was like, oh, it's just a bad video game movie, right? A lot of those are like, right. bad video game movies, uh, like Mario. Um, oh, the Mario Brothers movies, yeah. Uh, that was bad. The reason why the live action one. Yes. Oh my gosh. Uh, I'm Mario. Mario. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> um, the reason why so many of those movies had like come out, especially around like the '90s and 2000s, was uh, I can't remember the country, but there was like a government that was giving out uh, film studios money to produce movies, and they didn't really care like how well the movie came out. They were just going to give out that money to produce it. So either way, they were going to make money. Yeah. Um... Let's see, like, uh, Uwe Ball, the guy that um, directed Blubberella is from there. I got to remember who it is. Um, Oh, it's Germany. So Germany, like, gives out... That's what I thought it was, yeah. ...subsidies to filmmakers just to make films, to, like, produce films. Okay. And, um, man, I wish I would have thought of this before. We could look up some of this. Um, but so they like give out money so he can just pump out films and make money continuously no matter uh you know how they do at the box office yeah yeah so i feel like i, I we'll talk about uwe ball for a little bit here i, I you gotta you gotta tell us about blubberella because i mean you were the one that found the movie and brought it oh yeah we we when we were in charleston and i was just into bad movie nights obviously anytime i'd go out to places that had used dvds i'd keep an eye out for some bad movies and they're they're so easy to find you you know what bin i'm talking about the dollar bin <laughs> oh they're literally a dime a dozen oh my goodness i love it they're so easy to find but i was looking around the store and i saw blubberella uh the cover art was this very large woman in some like leather corset thing and it talked about it being like half vampire half uh nazi or, <laughs> or whatever and i'm like this is gonna be a horrible horrible movie it's- gonna be gold so i'm gonna gonna spend money on it (laughs) (laughs) yeah obviously (laughs) this deserves my dollar yeah Yeah. it says uh 
half vampire, two and a half women. That's what it was. That was the tagline that made me buy That's it. That's the tagline, yeah. Yeah. I was like, I have to buy this. They're going to love it. Uh, yeah, so I bought it and I brought it over. We watched it, and it was about... Um, it's it's a satire from another movie called Blood Rain. Um, and it's... it's Blood Rail is about this uh, half vampire. Like, is, is she a Nazi hunter in that movie? Does she hunt Nazis? Or is she just like... Half yeah, she hunter? does. Okay. Side note, Blood Rain we got to bring up is also oh. by Uwe Ball. So he, he made a film as mm. a satire of his own film, which is a stroke of genius. I think it's the most meta thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> he might honestly be the best director, uh, the <laughs> best director in the movie business, right? Oh now. yeah. Of our generation. Yeah. Hands down. I mean, has Michael Bay satired his own movie? I don't think so. No. I mean, you could make an argument about the, uh, um, the transformer films, but <laughs> each one's a satire of the last. Yeah, those are just bad in general. They're not like so bad it's good. <laughs> you know, I, at like no point did I ever finish a Transformer film and I was just like, wow, that was terrible. And I thought it was hilarious because it was terrible. And I'd watch it again. Yeah. I, now, Blubberella had me hooked like, you know, 10 minutes in. I'm like, wow, this, how could they get any worse? Like, <laughs> and they still did. I, I can't, I think my brain has blocked any of the uh, actual scenes. <laughs> and it's like i don't remember anything specific oh I... no way because the the like the opening is like seared into my mind because it's so ridiculously hilarious to me yeah so like in the opening um we're in like 1930s germany right <laughs> um and so it's occupied by nazis and blubberella is on her uh like desktop pc Make sure you describe her as our hero. Our hero, yeah. Our, the, the, you know, the main character, possibly anti-hero, depending on how you want to look at this film. <laughs> I, I wouldn't advise anyone dissect this film further than just a, a, like a one-time watch through. But so she's on her like 1930s PC, um, like trying to match with people on a Jewish dating website. Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> And and then so the first time out of her house, she's going through and like a train pulls up full of Jewish people like on their way to a concentration camp and she's unlocking them and opening them and looking for the guy that she like matched with on this online website in 1930. <laughs> and if he's not in there, she just relocks the train cart back to send them off to the concentration camp. I, like, <laughs> I remember that now. That was so bad. Like, who greenlit this? <laughs> Uwe Ball, man. <laughs> Uwe Ball did. I mean, the guy's, the guy's a genius. I mean, looking looking at it right here, like, the budget is $5 million in U.S. dollars. Holy cow, was it? Yeah, I don't see the, um, I'm not seeing, like, the box office numbers here. I'm sure he made money off of this, just like oh, him probably. personally, but I doubt if anyone else did. Well, I mean, he had to pay those actors, right? Yeah, but, you know... Yeah. Watching the film, how much do you think these guys were really paid? Loverella probably got a couple million. Are you kidding me? Great <laughs> you, Yeah, you half the budget, just $2.5 million <laughs> goes straight to Loverella uh, um, there. Yeah. Lindsay Hollister is her name. Oh, gotcha. Has she done anything else? Uh, she was in Get Smart, actually. In... Oh, like the new one? Uh, new is a relative term, I guess. The 2008 one. Oh, was it that? It was made that long ago. That's nuts. Yeah, I know. I, I actually recently watched that movie too. I'm pretty sure she plays like the um um oh crap. Uh what's it? Steve Carell like mm -hmm. dances with an extremely overweight woman in this movie. Oh. I'm pretty sure she she's the one who plays that woman. And now like like when you look her up now, she's lost a ton of weight. Like she's looking pretty healthy, so you know, good, good for her. Good for her, yeah. Yeah. So Oh yeah, she definitely. I, I found it here. She's definitely the extremely large woman that he like lifts up in a in a big dance scene to make Anne Hathaway's character jealous and gets more. Oh, so, it is. I, it's a pretty good movie. I think it it may be a little campy too. But and that that brings me into my next uh, idea of bad movies is like the intentional campiness and the uh, unintentional campiness. I think we were kind of talking about it, but then we got into it. Yeah, so I actually um, wrote down a couple of my favorite, like, um, uh, campiness, um, like, good movies. Mm -hmm. So, like, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. Certainly campy. Oh, yeah? Like, 
all the way around, but you could tell everyone knows exactly what they're making in this film. Right. So they, they, they all know exactly what, what's going on here. And, and I mean, that's why it's a cult classic. Um, another one, uh, the uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. I haven't seen that. You haven't seen Grand Budapest Hotel? I have not. So yeah, the Grand Budapest Hotel is actually one of my um, uh, favorite films. Like, ever. I'd rank it in like probably my top five. Um, Wes Anderson has this thing with like pastel colors and extreme symmetry. I actually, I, I know a lot of people talk about Wes Anderson in a way that like is not admirable, but I kind, I really like that he's very different. You can tell it's a Wes Anderson movie when you watch it. Yeah, I think he, um, he rides on that that camp border of you know good camp versus bad camp, and I think uh, Grand Budapest Hotel nails it. Okay, I'll um, that. Yeah, because like in the movie itself, he's he's filming. He has three different formats to like show three different um, like time periods, mm-hmm. and uh, like everything is just ridiculously symmetrical, and all the colors are ridiculous, and some of the um, uh, like the timing of of the stuff. So there's nothing like overtly comical about what they're doing. Right. Like this is no Will Ferrell film. <laughs> yeah. Um. But there's scenes where, like, the timing is just so ridiculous that it makes you burst out loud laughing. Because um, no one ever really, like, tells a joke, you know? Right. So uh, all of the, like, the elements that he does combine just make for an absolutely hilarious movie. And I, did, I think... What's that? I said, I definitely need to watch that because I love that kind of, like, the subtle, like, the background humor. It's like, that is hilarious. Yeah, that's, like, this whole movie. And so I've, I've seen this a good a good many times, like probably like six or so um i rewatch a lot of movies i have a problem yeah i can tell because usually i've watched a movie at a maximum of like maybe three times really yeah some of my favorite movies i'll watch over and over again like grand budapest hotel is in my top five uh the dark knight Um, oh that's a good movie yeah which might be a topic for a different day when we talk about good movie nights or or i was i was thinking we would talk about um the the joker um in in our villain episode oh yeah yeah i didn't know we were gonna do a villain episode oh well you know like like you know in inherently evil people or oh right or if evil is like so i i think the um you know or if evil is like a learned thing yeah Um, i think that we'll get into that yeah i think that the joker is a good example of uh something on one of the two extremes that's good yeah yeah so but Anyways, I forget where we were going, but, you know, Grand Budapest Hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've watched it way too many times, so I've watched that in uh, <laughs> No Country for Old Men. Oh, that's a good movie. Which I love, which is anything but campy. Like, it doesn't oh. even get close, and I feel like that movie changes its meaning every time I watch it. Yeah, I remember I remember us talking about that movie and how you watched it again another time later, and you had a whole different, like, perspective grow on you from it. Yeah, for sure. I definitely, I really love that movie just for its, like, non-clarity yeah and um you know just the suspense that the uh, uh coen brothers can produce with their uh with their writing and, and storytelling only through conversation between two characters oh yeah like it's it's a yeah it's a good approach i feel like as, as um uh filmmakers get like older and more serious um directors and, and writers they get better at act- pushing the narrative through only conversation yeah and then the challenge is to film the conversation in an interesting way. Yeah. So, you know, text produces this, the narrative at that point. Right. Um, which I think a lot of these bad movies kind of miss. <laughs> yeah, that's that. it might be one of my favorite parts of those kind of bad movies is they, they portray something and it's so poorly portrayed that you have to laugh at it. You have to, like, you know, find the humor in it because otherwise it doesn't make any sense at all how it, how it can be. Yeah. And it's like the only way that these like newer filmmakers really know how to push the story forward and make and you know give the the story some momentum is to have like an action happen, right? Um, and I think that's why so many people turn to horror films like early on in their in their film careers, right? Or or that you see so many terrible horror films like one of my favorite series ever, the Sleepaway Camp series. Oh yeah, we watched that. Yeah, I think it's so hilarious. Where we're still gonna buy hoodies from them, right? Oh, we definitely need to. Yeah. Do you anyway. remember the name of the camp? Oh, God, not off the top of my head. 
Uh, I'll have to look it up. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll get some shirts. Anyway, go on about Sleepaway Camp. Yeah, but in Sleepaway Camp, like the only good actress is like the lead, the uh, the the girl that's like murdering everyone. Oh yeah. Um, but there's no like real narrative to this movie. It's basically just that uh, the one of the camp counselors is um, uh, like a purist, and she believes that only you know good people should be able to go to summer camp so when she catches the like the kids of you know like high school age doing nefarious things like drugs or sleeping with each other she like murders them one by one oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's just so ridiculous and they ended up like stretching this out into three different movies somehow yeah and it's the same thing it's just like these people show up at the camp there's a murder on the loose and they just kill people throughout the movie it just things just happen (laughs) And then, like, horror movies, for some reason, just have to have some gratuitous nudity in them. Oh, yeah, that's my... So, that's something we found out. The very low... Like, our favorite movies, in terms of bad movies, are horror movies, because they do try their best to be uh, more serious, for the most part. Unless you're watching, like, Pastor or something like that, like... Yeah, (laughs) I I never watched it. We should have watched that together. We should, we should. That, That one's, like, it knows it's a bad movie. It's not a horror movie, it's like a thriller, you know? Yeah, um, but then there's like the horror movies that really do try to be, you know, horror movies, but they're just so poorly made, and they're like for whatever reason they always have the attractive actress, you know, the B-roll actress is like she has to get undressed throughout the movie. That's the the unwritten rule. <laughs> she will lose clothing throughout the movie. Oh yeah, they're just trying desperately to you know sell the movie by word of mouth. Somehow get some get some yeah. viewers to stay throughout the hour and a half. Right. I mean, like Sleepaway Camp, the series. I'm I'm looking at it now. Like the the first movie, they all. I'm pretty sure they all have nudity in it. I can't remember. Mm, um, yeah, but I think it was like the, just cast off nudity. It's like, oh yeah, she's shirtless over here. It's like whatever. Yeah, exactly. Because you know we have to sell this, and I mean it does well. Like they spent three hundred fifty thousand dollars to make this first Sleepaway Camp, and they made eleven oh, million in the box office. Wow, that's that's pretty good. Like that's a good turnaround. So yeah. like you know, no surprise that they made two more after it. <laughs> I guess like, maybe, yeah. They think people are going to pay for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so maybe if the, the second one per, like made money too, just you know, keep pushing. Yeah. But the second one's definitely the best one for anyone watching. You don't even have to watch the first one to understand what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> the second one's just funny in its own right with these ridiculous murders and um, good practical effects, actually. They're, oh, that's I, good. Yeah, I feel like, you know, when you're, when you're working on a low budget, you can't, um, you can't really show, like, super gratuitous like murders and whatnot and i'm not the right. biggest fan of horror movies in the first place but mm-hmm. um you know good practical effects go a long way especially when you're working on a stricter budget you end up making a, a better movie that way when people really know how to stretch a budget right it is it is one thing to like be watching a movie and be really involved with it and then it comes to a scene that you, you should still be involved with the movie and then you get thrown out because it's so uh out of place it's so unnatural that you get thrown out of the movie you're like oh, I'm watching, oh yeah i'm watching bad effects right now but right. that's probably the thing we like about those bad movies is throughout the whole movie, you know you're, you're not involved with the movie the whole time. You're, you're drinking, you're making fun of it, you're just talking over it. So the whole time it's these out-of-movie out of experiences, kind of like out-of-body experience, I guess, where you're sitting back and you're just watching this weird like portrayal of things. Yeah, you're just trying to watch it unfold. Yeah. I feel like one of the earliest examples is uh, like in high school watching um, uh, crap, Final Destination. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, where, like, the CGI is bad, and then um, everyone knows, like, these movies are bad, but the the uh, the way that people die in this movie is so gratuitous, and everyone's like, well, we have to watch it. Right. Kind of like how the Saw movies got their uh, uh, oh. their fame. Yeah, they, they became really big off that stuff, too, man. Yeah. Saw's a different topic. It's like, I don't really, I, I don't really know how I feel about Saw. <laughs> like, it was definitely nightmare fuel for me in, like, ninth grade. Oh, I mean, yeah. That's that's. Kind of, I guess that's a bad time to watch it. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I, you know, I, nowadays I'm like, this is pretty ridiculous. Right. Like you can you can look at it now as a at our age and be like, that is way over the top. That is nuts. Yeah, and and yet there's still like you know adult diehard fans of of the Saw series. Oh yeah, and no hate for that. Like everyone's yeah, got everyone's got their thing. Yeah, I just feel like the the whole bad movie genre just like really plays into horror movies and and sci-fi films too because you already there's already this suspension of disbelief in most films right 
especially animated films and in um a lot of these bad movies just like break that illusion really fast oh yeah definitely. like um uh do we do we watch sharktopus together no we did not and i'm kind of i think i'm glad i didn't see that one uh yeah i don't know it's pretty funny because it's oh, okay. basically like applicable to us the the u.s navy has tried to weaponize this like half shark half octopus oh and then it just goes berserk killing everyone on like the coast of california or something maybe i should watch that <laughs> yeah that sounds like my kind of so, movie <laughs> it's applicable yeah I, like toss around some navy terms and you're like oh i'm in on that joke. I, I know what starboard is <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, i've heard of port <laughs> But, you know, that's that's the kind of thing is I, I'm not a huge fan of the bad movies that they're like, we know we're bad and this is how our movie's going to be. You know, like Sharknado is like, we are a bad movie. That's our pitch. And it's just a lot less enjoyable when they're in the joke, too. <laughs> yeah, but then why did it, like, take off? Like, why did it start this cultural phenomenon? It's, I mean, when I mention Sharknado, people know Sharknado. You know? Yeah, everyone knows Sharknado. I mean, how many people have actually seen it, though? That's a good point. I, for one, have not. <laughs> I've never seen the original Sharknado, which is a, a regret that I have currently. All right. Well, like, if you if you ever show up in Virginia, maybe we can have a like a Netflix party. Yeah, a Netflix party is a good app for us. Um, I'll have to see where we can watch Sharknado at. Yeah. All right. So well, maybe we'll, it'll be like a uh, um, like a, a like a drop in another podcast. We'll just be like, oh, hey, by the way, we we finally watched Sharknado. <laughs> by the way one of the most famous bad films ever right after the room right <laughs> and, um oh get this uh mm-hmm. i guess the initial release was in of all places germany oh for sharknado yeah that theory still holds true that i don't remember where i heard it from <laughs> yeah right we gotta figure it out I, I feel like you know the sci-fi channel is just like notorious for already having bad movies but people yeah. still watch it I, I think ellison was talking about that he was like yeah, I would, well, growing up, I would watch every sci-fi original <laughs> that came out on Friday. <laughs> you poor, poor man. <laughs> Incredible. But he turned uh, me on. He made me watch a uh, Walk Hard, which I don't know when that came out, but it, I guess it's a pretty recent bad movie. Um, is it... it's based about like Johnny Cash, or I that's guess, what I thought. Yeah, it, it kind of like Johnny. It's, it's just like a bunch of uh, musicians throughout time, you know, like uh, Elvis and uh, the Beatles and all that stuff, like going through that that kind of era of music growth and it's like the main character goes through that but he's like you know doing drugs and you know is grown it, up and cheating on his wife and things like that um, is is that the john c Riley ripoff of walk the line yes yes it is oh, okay That's what it is. yeah okay That's what it is. yeah so so but, walk the line is the johnny cash movie and then i guess walk hard is the the ripoff. the ripoff but he was he was adamant he said this is an amazing movie it'll time will fly by and bro, I was watching it, and I was like, I was like, this is a long movie. <laughs> it was funny. There were some, there were some parts that I was like, this is, I'm cracking up on that part. But at a certain point, I was like, this is a long, long movie. And then when he told me that he watched the sci-fi originals, <laughs> like as a kid, like I can see why you like this movie a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like John C. Riley kind of misses the mark sometimes. Like, um, uh, him and Will Ferrell were in Step Brothers, which. I, yeah. to this day, will say it's an amazing movie, as well as Talladega Nights. Like, shake those are hilarious. Baby. Shake and Bake. Those are hilarious for the sake of being hilarious. But then there's, like, Sherlock and... Is it, is it Sherlock and Holmes, or...? Uh, I haven't watched it, but I think it is Sherlock and Holmes. Um, yeah, I gotta look it up. Yeah, it's it's Holmes and Watson. Oh, that's what it is. That was just, like, horrible. It's not even fun to watch, because they're, they're trying to make jokes, and they don't land. Yeah. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work the same way that um, you know, like Sleepaway Camp and Blubberella and Right. Um or like Birdemic. Mm, that that actually reminds me that is another genre of bad movies that we we tried to get into um because there's some extraordinarily bad satires. There was one that was and I can't remember the name of it. I, I, again, I wish I was able to like pull up all these movie names, but it was a satire of the Avengers and it had a pretty Big main actor, comedian. I want to say it was Brian Regan, honestly, and I could be way off by that one. But I think Brian Regan was like the Green Lantern, but kind of chubby, you know, like a stay-at-home dad. And it was a movie about the Avengers, and it was a satire of it, and it was so, so bad, so hard to watch, and it was hard to make jokes of. It's like that's how bad it was. 
Oh. Yeah, they get pretty. It's like um one of those um. I can't think of like the epic movies. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I haven't seen that one. Yeah, they uh that genre of bad movies, like they're if they're not even <laughs> they're not even fun to make fun of, so they're not fun to watch as like a bad movie night movie. Yeah, I think. Oh, I think the word we're looking for is spoof film. Spoof. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Is it the Avengers of Justice? It probably is. I get. Yeah, it's like that a, Oh, it's a it's a 2018 release. Guess where? Uh, Germany. Germany. <laughs> yeah. So, I guess if you just make a film in Germany, they're just gonna subsidize you. Yeah, give me some money. Oh, you can watch it for free right now on uh, Avengers of Justice: Farce Wars. That's it. That was Farce so Wars, yeah. so bad, dude. You can watch it on Tubi or, or Tubby. I don't. I don't know how to say that. I don't. I don't remember either. Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. I I can't believe some of these get made. I can't believe there's, there's, the actors that go into them. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of those, like, spoof movies that come out. I think we watched Epic Movie um, not too long ago. I think you you weren't there, but... Um, I mean, it had, like, ridiculously good people in it. I mean, it also had, like, Kim Kardashian, so... <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, there's that. <laughs> oh, the actor um, I was thinking of was Shawn Michaels, not Robert yeah, Shawn Michaels. Yeah, a disaster movie from from two thousand eight, which yeah. really hits every <sighs> oh, part, like every beat of movies in two thousand eight. Yeah, and that was a horrible movie too. So yeah, horrible. I mean, not to say that I didn't find myself laughing at some of their actual jokes, right? Um, because they're ridiculous. <laughs> but at, at the same, I wasn't laughing because, like at them. It kind of made me laugh with them a little bit, but only like two or three times. I, I was kind of ashamed, but yeah. at the same time, you know, <laughs> if you crack a d- good joke, you know, good on you. Yeah. I mean, sometimes sometimes a movie will catch you off guard. Like, I, I know this isn't really a bad movie, but it was never like portrayed as a good movie. Remember Hardcore Henry? I do remember Hardcore Henry. I, I remember when that came out, my friends were like, let's go watch it in theaters. You know, at first we were like, let's go watch it. It sounds awesome. It sounds badass. And I was thinking, I was like, oh, it's going to be a really dumb action movie. I was like, I'm just gonna turn my brain off, you know. I'm just gonna go in there and just like, just kind of watch a dumb movie and enjoy myself, right? And yeah, I'm pretty sure I got motion sickness in that movie. <laughs> That's what a lot of people are saying, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but I like when I went in with that kind of mindset, I enjoyed it. I was like, this is awesome. This is so cool. Um, I would never watch it again. But <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, it's a cool concept, and but yeah. of course, it was like a one-off thing, and it never really caught on. No, of course not. But you know, sometimes sometimes those movies will they'll catch you off guard. There'll be some there'll be something that sticks with you. And then yeah, so, then there's like that one movie that I watched that I was physically ill after watching it. That was, that was bad. Whoa, wait, what movie was that? I think I told you about this last night, um, but I guess we'll talk about that about it now. It's a French movie that I I asked my friend what the name of it was. Oh. He can't find it, and I looked it up and I could not find it. And I think that might be part of the horror that comes with it because it was a horror movie. <laughs> But, oh yeah, so like it doesn't actually exist. It's just yeah, in your mind, right? It, it, there was one copy on that DVD that was meant to, like, I guess, maybe it cursed me, infested my soul of some kind, because I, I really felt sick after watching it. But anyway, the plot of the movie was is like this French couple went on vacation and they lost their kid, uh, in, like in a tsunami or something. He got swept away by the ocean current, and they went back to France. And the mom was distraught with grief, and the dad was like, he was kind of upset, but he was pretty chill about it. And the the mom was like browsing around online, and she sees a picture of like kids who were taken uh, part of the like trafficking, the like, kid trafficking. And, oh, that's gross. Yeah, and uh, it was like it was like this really it was like six pixels. They zoomed in on the picture of the movie. It was like six pixels, like a red shirt and some pants. And she's like, "That's my boy." And the dad's like, "Oh damn it!" <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she's like, "We need to find our kid. He's there. He's in Thailand right now." you know, being trafficked. We have to go get him. That's like, okay. And, like, this whole movie is about this couple. It's supposed to be a horror movie, by the way. This whole movie is about <laughs> this couple going across, like, from France and being, like, gypped by a bunch of the natives because they're, you know, stupid white people from Europe. Uh, they're getting gypped by, like, natives out there, losing all their money, losing everything. And they finally end up on this island in Thailand that's, like, run by children. Like, these horror children, like, these children that, like, kill people like, part of this old temple. And... Like a Children of the Corn kind of thing going on? Yeah, yeah, this weird, like, 
they run around and like they murder some guards in the middle of this thrown out scene. They just they kill them somehow. I don't know how the guards did <laughs> just shoot the kids, but <laughs> they're children. <laughs> yeah, right. But it's like you know, a horror movie. It's got this, like this grainy effect and red red like scenes. It's just like covered in a red film, and uh, it just kind of plays up the kids being a horror every once in a while. But nothing really happens in the movie. It just this couple just gets gypped on the way to Thailand the whole time. And uh, the very end of the movie, the mom like sees all these kids running around the island, and she's like, "These are my children." And the dad's like, no, they're not. We're going home. <laughs> she, she's like, no, these are my children. Then they throw the man in the pit. Like, there's this pit. They throw him in a pit, and the kids stone him to death under her command. Somehow. I don't know how <laughs> she, like, she's like Ant-Man to these children. She's just like, stone him. <laughs> takes over as the god of these children. <laughs> yeah. Kills the man, right? And then the very last scene, and this I told you this last night on that, was, like, it was just super weird to me because, like, the very last scene of the movie was the woman standing there completely nude. And the children were there covered in mud, and they were smearing mud all over her. And it, it just, like, provoked a thought in my mind. I was like, there's an actual grown-ass woman there getting just smeared, like, mud smeared on her by small children, like, eight, eight children like, in this movie. It was so weird to watch. Um, it sounds like a fever dream. I, you know, I, I, I felt like throwing up, and uh, obviously I don't remember the movie's name, so maybe it was. Maybe, uh... It might not exist. We need to find it because I need to know the lore of this ridiculous movie. Yeah, now that I talk about it, I really do want to find out like yeah more about it. It was it was exceptionally horrible. Like I remember we put it on for Bad Movie Night, you know, because we I bought a 50, 50 horror movie box set. It's like excited. Um, oh yeah, that's where you get the worst ones. Oh yeah, but we put it on as like the last movie, and we were silent throughout the movie. Like there was nothing to make fun of. You know, it was just was really slow. <laughs> grind towards oh. the end. I was like, what the hell did we just watch? <laughs> that sounds agonizing. It was rough. It was definitely rough. I gotta know. I don't I I feel like totally not compelled to watch this movie, but I wanna like <laughs> know about it, you know? Yeah. I'll, I'll like there's gotta be some Yeah, there's gotta be somebody on YouTube that's gonna review this movie for me <laughs> and like condense it down into like eight minutes so I don't have to watch the whole thing. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a guy who uh tastes water, so yeah, I think that exists somewhere. Yeah, there are people that are just like, this is the best water. <laughs> I have strong opinions about good water, though, so... You know what? But that's uh, another episode. This week's podcast is sponsored by Good Clean Water. <laughs> yeah, Good Clean Water. Get, get yourself a, a filter and filter your tap water, people. <laughs> <laughs> Put it in the fridge, I feel it like, makes a difference. Oh, yeah, it definitely does. Colder water tastes better. I don't like... Temp- room temperature water, people? Get out of here. <laughs> you know my favorite kind of water? Is that bottle of water I left in my car all day, and I get back, it's 90 degrees. Mm. Oh, I'm sure that's not good for you. <laughs> You're probably right. <laughs> but this is why we need a Twitter. We need people to tell us our favorite water, and then also, like, uh, if anyone happens to know the movie that you're talking about, we need to know. <laughs> <laughs> I might make a Twitter after this. Yeah, well, I'll go, I'll go look up on um, uh, how to make, like, a, I don't know, like, is it a company? We're not a company. We could be a company. I mean, what are we going to produce? I'm not going to sell t-shirts about our podcast. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. Do, like, people should let us know. Are they going to, would they walk around t-shirts that just say bro motional on it? <laughs> I mean, if we get the uh, urban dictionary definition on the, on the back. Yeah. Oh man. I feel like that's something they're going to have to look up on their own. <laughs> <laughs> part, part of the, part of the name is the mystery of like, what the heck does it mean? <laughs> It's a good point. <laughs> but yeah, like circling back, cir- circling back to bad movies. Oh, yeah. Um I found another quote and um I I regretfully don't know who it's from. Um okay. but uh basically I feel like this summarizes our whole uh fascination with bad movies. Mm. It says whether it's a result of morbid fascination or genuine love for amateurs uh, whose ambition exceeds their talent, uh, there's something that keeps movie fans fascinated with, quote, so bad it's good, unquote, films. Mm-hmm. Like motorists rubbernecking as they pass the scene of a crash, film fans continue to flock to see the worst of the cinematic media and throw spoons at it. <laughs> That's a great quote. Yeah. I, I like the uh, the ambition exceeds their talent <laughs> part of the I feel talent. like it's it's pretty accurate, you know? It is. It, it really is. And, I, and that is kind of the reason why I really do enjoy bad movies is that, like I said, I like to see 
how they screw it up because it's like it's something that is so unnatural how people interact with each other or like sequence of events or how you imagine a story to be portrayed i just i really do enjoy that kind of uh, juxtaposition or that, that unnatural view of things right and we're also like so used to how people talk in uh like movies right there's always this um uh, you know, one person says a line, the next person says a line. Mm-hmm. And there are very few films that, like, actually portray, um, you know, real human conversation. Like, people talk over each other. Yeah. You know, you'll be talking and, like, I'll start saying something and, yeah. and, and like, vice versa and all that. Like, people talk over each other. It doesn't really happen in movies. Mm-hmm. And so there's, like, the that, that movie, um, like, conversation that we're used to. And it's so structured that when somebody like breaks it, it it feels so unnatural to us and so easy to make fun of like it's it's so obvious like we've been conditioned for this one thing that's a very good point you're right yeah which i'd love to talk about in in our friendship conversation too because there's a um a movie i'd like to talk about that uh um you know entails our uh friendship conversation but we'll save that for for another time definitely but that is something about movies that is, is pretty interesting. Uh, we watched Pulp Fiction on the ship recently, and it kind of made me think about that, which is Pulp Fiction, obviously, not a bad movie by any means. Um, you know but... what they call a uh, quarter pounder with cheese in France? <laughs> 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 but it's definitely a strange movie that I feel like if it was made today would not hold up. Definitely in the same way. Um, especially if it wasn't, you know, a Quentin Tarantino, who's obviously an established director. If it came Wait, out, so why do you say that? It's because when it came out, it, it, it broke a lot of taboos. I mean, there's a scene where they pull a gimp out of a box and a, a black dude's getting railed by a, you know, a racist white guy, you know, like fair. When yeah. that movie came out, that was not, that was not a common thing you would see in movies. Oh um, yeah. The, the, so the first time I saw anything from Pulp Fiction is I walked out of my room and since my mom will probably be the only listener of our podcast, I don't know if she remembers this, but I walked out of my room to like my parents watching that movie on that exact scene. I was oh like, yeah, God. this movie is not for me. And I just like <laughs> walked back into the room. Like that's, that's the grown up movie. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, like, like eight years later when I watched it for myself, I was like, Oh, <laughs> that's what I was like, watching. Got it. Don't blame them for watching this. Cause this yeah. movie is incredible. It, it's a good movie, but there's a lot of weird stuff in it. But I think the, uh, you know, like all of that taboo that Quentin Tarantino broke in that movie really helped push it forward. And also, you know, I would argue it helped push the movie industry forward. There's a lot of uh, a lot of like looseness in it now. Yeah, I feel that. I I mean, I feel like movies are a um, um, just another way to like dissect the culture of the um, uh, like time period that you're you know making the film about. Definitely. Yeah. So, but I we're straying too far into good movies. <laughs> that oh point. yeah, no. I keep bringing them up. <laughs> yeah, you got you got to. Um, did you watch Birdemic with us? I did not watch *Birdemic*. Oh, okay. So this movie, in in the same in the same vein of uh, like topics, um, *Birdemic* is basically this like terribly made low budget movie mm-hmm. um, about how climate change has caused birds to like start killing people. Nice. So, <laughs> along that same vein, <laughs> it's like it's like a um, uh, what's that movie by Al Gore um, about climate change? uh inconvenient truth yeah it's, it's like an inconvenient truth but also a horror movie <laughs> like I the feel CG like I hype so bad. oh you should definitely see birdemic everyone should see birdemic yeah <laughs> if we've interested you enough in bad movies birdemic is a great place to start <laughs> recommend starting on the room the room yeah. is incredible and now that we are uh once we put out this podcast i expect bad movie nights to sweep the nation Sweep uh, <laughs> the nation. We will. We'll start a cultural phenomenon. Oh yeah, <laughs> really is, really is a fun night. Though. I love. I love bad movie nights. Yeah, I feel like everyone could really benefit from a good bad movie night every once in a while. Yeah. So especially now, like if you're if you're stuck at home with not much to do, you know, uh, crack open uh, your favorite beer, or maybe try <laughs> something new, and and throw on just a like a you know renowned bad movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's really the like one of our favorite ways to spend time. Definitely, and if if we ever if we ever if you ever up in, end up in Virginia, like we can do those. Well, I, we wanted to do those weekly, but obviously our, our schedule was not permitted to that. 
Yeah, our schedule made it pretty rough. Anytime we all had Friday nights off, though, it was definitely bad movie night. So. Oh, yeah. Was, I mean, we had a, a strong, day. yeah, we had a strong, like, two months of, of every Friday being bad movie night. But, oh, you know, things change. Yeah. Yeah. Our lives will be continuing to move forward. And I hope we don't leave bad movies behind because I'm sure people will not stop making them. Oh, and I wouldn't dream of it. I'm st- I would still invite people over for that. You know? Oh yeah. Hey, maybe one day we'll make a bad movie. You know what? That is now an aspiration of mine. <laughs> <laughs> just to make a terrible movie. It just suddenly became a, a life goal. <laughs> life goal. We'll film it on on a, an iPhone, three uh, GS, and. <laughs> 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 I don't know yeah. why my mind went. We're gonna film it on a yacht. <laughs> oh yeah, well boats and hose. Boats and hose. <laughs> maybe maybe we can make a uh, yacht based horror movie where the killer's on the yacht somewhere, but it's like a small yacht. It's like a twenty foot. <laughs> Dude, million dollar idea. We make a shot for shot remake of Step Brothers oh. for like the first thirty minutes, but then when we get to the boats and hose thing, it turns into a horror movie. Okay, here we go. You know what? I think we can do this. I, I mean, I'm thinking, you know, five thousand dollars is the budget. We got it down. <laughs> I mean, if, do you know? <laughs> wait, do you know somebody that owns a yacht? <laughs> uh, no, but Russell has a boat. This <laughs> is a small boat. <laughs> Close enough. There we go. Hey, it's a bad movie. We can do whatever we want. We can do whatever we want. Yeah. yeah, and then you know we'll we'll be immortal, living in in you know bad movie history forever. God, that is. I don't want to be in the history books. I want my face to be on like the poster next to the room. <laughs> oh, that's it. But at the same time, if we go out like with the purpose of making a bad movie, are are you allowed to be a cult classic bad movie anymore? And that's and then we're back full circle where the movies I really enjoy as a bad movie are the ones that meant to be a good movie. Yeah, it's true. People who like legitimately set out to make good movies and miss the mark end up being the best bad movies to watch. I think we just figured out why those kind of bad movies do exist. Just because the guys who make them think it would just be so fun to make. Yeah, and they're like short on funds and and like maybe their vision isn't straight there. Yeah. So we're approaching this all wrong. We got to figure out a good movie to make. (laughs) You're right. Let's make a good movie about a horror killer on a small boat. And inevitably, you and I, in our, uh, you know, glorious left brain fashion, will end up (laughs) making a a bad movie, (laughs) because... I thought you were going to say our lizard brains. (laughs) Oh, yeah, lizard... Reptilian brain fashion. (laughs) I mean, that's how it feels, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're quite, you know, engineering, science-based people, and instead... We'll, we'll, we'll stray towards the art scene and, and horribly, horribly fail. <laughs> like, mad respect for anyone who does art, though, because it's something that I, I'm just not super good at. Mm. Um, I feel like it's a talent more than a skill. I, I'm always amazed when I, I meet people who are like, it's like, oh, yeah, I paint. And they have really good paintings. I'm always amazed by them. And I, I do, I tell them sincerely that I want to get art from them because I love, like, the art I have in my room already. And I just, oh, love, yeah. I love like having the personal connection with somebody who had made art, like my brother painted something for me. And it's, it's Idrisil, you know, the Norse tree of life, which means nothing to me. Um, but the painting is made by my brother. And that's, that's where all the meaning comes from for me. That's pretty cool. So I like, I like that I mean, stuff. Hey, support your local artists. People don't get paid in exposure. Oh, definitely. <laughs> like, I feel like art is an important media. Medium, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, things things that survive culturally for hundreds of years, things that people are still buying today for millions of dollars is art. Yeah, people aren't buying scientific ideas, even though I mean they do further society. Everything has its own merit, but like cultural significance, time period, like like a stamp in like a in a moment of time it, is mm-hmm. art. Yeah, and it's kind of like something I wish I could make, but instead we're we're here just. <laughs> making art in the form of two guys rambling on <laughs> is, is it art <laughs> uh i feel like that's something for the listeners to decide yeah maybe if i if i pose with my uh my fist under my chin imagine there's thousands of tiny uh seahorses floating around you right now <laughs> what is that from 
That's from Napoleon Dynamite. Oh my gosh, you're right. <laughs> yeah, when when Deb takes uh, uh, Uncle Rico's photo. How how did we not talk about Napoleon Dynamite? I love that movie. Napoleon Dynamite movie. is a cult classic. Definitely is. It's it's. It, some people would say it's a bad movie. I would argue otherwise. Yeah, I don't know. That's up for debate for sure. But um, what's not up for debate is the the impact that it had on like our generation. Yeah, a lot of people at least know quotes from that movie. Oh yeah, I mean quotes are boundless, and from that movie, it's it's mm-hmm. it's such a quotable movie. Oh, for sure. So. Anyways, dude, I feel like this is a a pretty fun conclusion for us. Oh yeah, I I, I have to agree. I think we I think we did a pretty decent job uh, explaining our love for just terrible movies. I love bad movies. Yeah, and you didn't lose internet connection this time. Uh, well, I didn't lose power this time. Is <laughs> the correction? Oh yeah, correction. Sorry, same difference though. When your power goes out, your internet goes down. I mean, you're right. Okay, yeah. I guess I guess you could argue which happens first. It's probably the internet because my laptop doesn't have a battery. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Mm, which came first, the <laughs> terrible fuse box we have, or the Wi-Fi router losing the power from the terrible fuse box we have? I mean, that one's way more obvious than chicken or egg. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, anyways, I, think, I think we kind of figured that one out. But yeah, I can say after this. So. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, th- thanks for thanks for everyone who who's listened to us thus far, um, and we'll we'll try to make more content in the same vein, maybe something a little more educational rather than us just trying to convince you to watch a terrible movie and tell us how you feel about it. We should definitely watch a terrible movie and tell us how we feel watch, about it. Yeah, watch a terrible movie. Uh, thanks, everyone. This has been the Bromotional Podcast. Hey. We'll see you next week. Hey, hey man. Hey. Hey. I love you, man. I love you, too.